It's great to see a church full of joy this morning. I fully take my, my worship leader hat off and I put my, my preacher hat on, so I'm a different person. Um, not quite as somber, because actually what I wanted to talk about this morning was joy. And it's funny, eh? Like sometimes God's prepared a, a message on your heart and then he wants to give you a completely different message in the middle of worship. That's not what's happening this morning, but I just found it quite funny that he's like, you've got to share that word you had a few months back. I was like, no, not, not on the joy week, Lord, not on the joy week. But you know, it's all good. And if indeed that is a word of God and, and, and go away and test it, but if it is, and if he's, if he's challenging us about what made worship, and not just personally here or personally for me, but maybe even across the church. You know, I, I heard Jeremy Riddle, who's one of the worship leaders I really have a lot of admiration for. He's part of the Vineyard Movement. And he said, you know, there's never been a time in the history of the church where it's more easy to be in the worship leading business for the wrong reasons. And I was really struck by that, and I think it's true we're in the middle of a celebrity culture where worship leaders are, are pin-up boys, and yet that's not to be the way it is. You know, God doesn't want that. He wants a worshipping church. Anyway, that's enough of that. This morning I want to talk about joy. I want to talk about joy, and it's not just wearing a smile. It's not just feeling happy. I want to talk about the joy that comes as we ponder this fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. You know, ten days out from Christmas, as we think on what it is, what is the meaning of this festival that we celebrate year in, year out. And it's that God became flesh. He came as a little baby boy and dwelt among us. But if you're anything like me, sometimes that message gets lost. And you end up looking more like this, coming up to Christmas. And I've got a, a personal tale. It's a tale of a pastor. He won't be named at this point. But this particular pastor was out enjoying himself with, with the kids. I saw him and he was there. He was out. He was wandering around the park down near the lake. Had a whole lot going on there. Christmas in the park festivities. Lots of churches, particularly Elam, putting that all together. I don't know if, hands up if you got to catch some of that yesterday. Yeah, a few of you. Yep, down the back there you were part of it. And you know... So much was going on. It was, a, it was a joyful time, and I was having a really good time with my family. But, you know, we were waiting to get on these bouncy castles. They had sort of a fun area set up, and there was this particular bouncy castle that George and Emma were really, oh, now I've given it away. It's about me. Um, tale of a pastor. George and Emma were waiting to get on this bouncy castle, and, you know, as kids tend to do, they, they get in line, but once it's their turn, once they're next to go, that's it. They're getting on that, that bouncy castle. And George got on, because the woman said four people can go on, and two more kids got on. And Emma was poised, ready to get on this bouncy castle. And then this mum came up from the side and said, oh no, no, she can't get on, my kids have been waiting in line. And I was looking around and I, I hadn't seen her kids. And she, she proceeded to, to push her kids on the bouncy castle. And being a good Christian pastor, I did the thing that you'd expect me to do. I got really annoyed. <laughs> Like, I became this guy. And true story, it's actually worse than I'm probably going to tell you, but I, I was a grump for most of that afternoon. The Christmas spirit had indeed left the building. And you know, it's so true, isn't it? 
Christmas is about joy. Christmas is about the one gift that we couldn't give anyone else. The gift of God himself. And you know, we can throw a puppy in front of it and pretend like we're all good. But if we haven't caught that gift, if we haven't truly caught that joy, then we're just the Grinch with a puppy. We're just trying to convince ourselves doing the Christmas present thing. And you know, what what gets in the way sometimes of what joy is about is that we've come to see joy as a feeling. Joy is just a feeling. It's like happiness. It sort of comes and it goes, and sometimes we can catch it, but other times, if a mother chooses to push your your kid out of the way, it, it, it suddenly vanishes. But you know, joy is not a feeling. And you know, in the Declaration of Independence, part of America's sort of fabric is this understanding of these inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But you know, joy isn't the pursuit of happiness. It isn't just a feeling. I had a go trying to look up a good definition of joy, and this is one that I think really nailed it. It says, Joy is a deep contentedness and delight that is not derived from earthly circumstances, but from the reality of a living relationship with the person of Jesus. Did you catch that? It doesn't depend on what's happening around you. You know, if I'd had joy that day, it wouldn't have gone anywhere. What I probably more had was a bit of whipped up hype and happiness because something was happening in a park. C.S. Lewis puts it like this, one second of joy is worth 12 hours of pleasure. You think about that, a whole half day of your life of pleasure, of going to Disney World. You think of the most pleasurable experience, one second of joy tops that. And here's another quote. The joy of the Christian is utterly radical in today's world because it is not determined by the reality of our circumstances but by the reality of Jesus Christ. When our life is built upon him as our rock, it doesn't matter how rocky our situation becomes. We always have a reason to know deep contentedness and delight. And Dr. Luke A. Powery says this, Joy is also hopeful as it anticipates the of Christ. It operates with Advent, that's the time we're in now, in mind, as it recognizes that today is not the only day. There is, there is the day of Christ. And we live under that horizon of hope and can experience a foretaste of joy divine. And so that's what I want to turn to now. This idea that joy has in its sights Jesus Christ. Come to earth. And so why don't you turn with me if you have a Bible or a device or whatever happens to be or read thing of choice. Turn with me to Isaiah 9 verse 1 starting in verse 1. It says this and just mind this was a promise. This is a promise that came to the people of Israel before they'd caught any sight of Jesus, before they had any idea of Jesus. It says this, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the, of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. 
The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And then skipping down a little further, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amazing words, amazing promise. Now turn with me to Luke 2. Keeping that in the back of your minds, Luke 2, verses 8 to 12. Luke 2, verses 8 to 12. We read this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I think we would be too. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Did you catch right in the heart of it, those words? Luke 2, verse 10 to 11. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David... A saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Think about what's happening here. Isaiah 9 is being fulfilled. A great light, quite literally, a light from an almighty angel of God's army turning up, having to say, the first words he's having to say is, do not be afraid. And turning up not just to the elite or the ones that were in the centre of religious life turning up to shepherds on the fringe. I'll say more of that in a minute. But a little bit of context. Because these words in Luke, every, every word is significant. Firstly, good news. In this day, good news was applied to celebrations of the reign of the Roman emperor. So Augustus Caesar... This was not a man you messed with. There was peace, but it was peace at the end of a sword. And good news was a phrase that was, was bandied around to celebrate emperor in the empire. Similarly, saviour and lord were titles given to the emperor. He was hailed as essentially a deity in this time. He himself proclaimed that he had brought justice and peace to the whole world. The very things that in Isaiah 9 we read that God is coming to work out through a new government under his son Jesus. And so the scene of Jesus being born and of the shepherds being brought into this news is far more radical than we might first imagine. 
In fact, in the words of Tom Wright, the birth of Jesus is the beginning of a confrontation between the kingdom of God and all its apparent weakness, insignificance and vulnerability in the kingdoms of the world. When Luke 2, when the angel says, I bring you good news that will bring joy to all the world, he is saying that this new king is Lord and Caesar is not. This new king is saviour and Caesar and all the other emperors in the world are not. It is why the Christians were martyred for their faith. Their faith was more than just personal piety. It was radical and it was political. And it was about a new kingdom breaking into this world. And a word on the shepherds. The shepherds have been romanticised and sort of put into the nativity scene and it's all quite sweet. And we love to dress our kids up in, in the tea towels and that's awesome. I'm not bagging that. But you know, we have to catch what was happening. The first people, other than Mary and Joseph and John the Baptist and his parents, to find out about what was happening with Jesus was, was the shepherds. The shepherds were despised by many religious folk. They were on the fringes of society. And they were unable, unable even to participate in a lot of the activities of the community. They were out, sort of like King David, on the periphery, no one seeing them, not particularly important. But they were obedient. They were obedient, and when they showed up, they not only began glorifying God and spreading the word, that what was happening was indeed the real deal. And in Luke 2, verse 17 to 20, it says, When they had seen him, when they had seen Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And if we bring it back to joy this morning, our joy is in the reality that Jesus is the true Lord and Saviour of the world. That's it. Our joy doesn't come from Christmas in the park. It certainly doesn't come from bouncy castles, as I found out. It comes from the reality that Jesus is the true Lord and Saviour of the world. And yes, he can use many other things as channels, as mediums. Many times he uses each of us. But he, he is our joy. And similarly in Matthew 2, which tells a very different tale, and a little later on in Jesus' life, when he was an infant, it says in Matthew 2, verse 9 to 11, after they, this is the three wise men, had heard the king they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his Mary mother, with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, 
Again, like the shepherds, the three wise men have been popularized and romanticized, but these guys were astrologers. So they were Eastern astrologers. The closest, I guess, we get to it today is those that are into their horoscopes and reading the stars and trying to read their, their future. This was these guys. And so often we're like, these guys were basically Christian, but just in the East. <laughs> no, no. No, no. They were pagan astrologers, but they were widely respected in the Greco-Roman world. And that, that, uh, that term, magi, that's where we get the word magic from, magician. And so they read the stars. But what's happening here is that God was not only speaking to the lowly shepherds who were on the fringes of Jewish culture, he was now revealing himself to the very out, out, outer skirts of what he was up to. These three wise men got it, even when King Herod was way off the mark. You see, only the good news of King Jesus has the ability to cause joy for all people. Shepherds, wise men, magicians, people that seem right out of the picture of what God is up to. And in fact, often these people, he's choosing first. He's using first. As Peter ends, said, Jesus fulfilled the ideal that Israel was supposed to have reached, but never did. Jesus is the true Israel, God's true son. See, what God is up to in the Christmas story is sending a son, a baby, to become the true Israel, faithful Israel, and to include all the nations. And you might say that the three kings, the three wise men, were just the first fruits of what he was about to unleash in the early church. True joy, true joy is found in this story. True joy is found in the good news of King Jesus. That's why 1 Peter, verse 1, 8 to 9 can say this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, as we take some time this Christmas to maybe contemplate baby Jesus in that crib, in that manger, let us remember that this was also King Jesus. He was upsetting the whole establishment. He was coming to bring a new kingdom to overthrow the empire, but not in the way that we expected it, not certainly in the way that the Israelites expected it. And so, as we come to Christmas, let's think again, what, what is our joy in this season? What has taken perhaps our focus and what needs to take our focus. I want to end with just a few real practical, maybe ways that in the moment, because we can talk about the grand story, but what are three just practical things that, that we can do to 
maintain this joy, to foster this joy, perhaps even to grow this joy. Most of these is start the day with thanksgiving. Start the day with thanksgiving. You know, yesterday, perhaps that past Scrooge might have turned a different corner had he started his day with thanksgiving. And you know, this can be sort of like everyone's getting on this this buzz at the moment, you know, gratitude diaries and journals and, you know, always be thankful. But we have God to be thankful for. We have the King of Kings to be thankful for. And as we start our day, maybe that's a good place. Start the day with thanksgiving. Not, not with all the lack. Not with all the things we cannot see. You know, one guy suggested, before you reach for your phone, reach for your Bible. And I think that can be a good way to ground us in that thanksgiving. Start with a, with a psalm, not with the daily buzz feed in our New Zealand Herald app. Secondly, we need to check our words and our feelings throughout the day. Again, I didn't do a very good job of this. And that's why I was up for quite a bit of last night actually getting right again with God. Actually laying some stuff down, actually praying through some stuff. And we need to check our words because our words create our worlds. You know, our words bring life or death. Life or death is in the power of the tongue. We've got to check ourselves throughout the day. What are our words? What are we saying? And, and similarly, our feelings. Because joy is not a feeling, it's based in the reality of Jesus, we've got to check our feelings. Now, if we're feeling that frustration begin to build, we've got to check ourselves. We've got to go, man, is, is this of the spirit? Or is this of my flesh? And, and is this the evil one trying to have a go? Check our words and our feelings. And lastly, and maybe the challenge to go into with the new year, but I, I challenge myself as well. Maybe as some homework, maybe as a takeaway. Try praying for a month that God would fill you with joy. That God would fill you up with joy. You know, you might be going through one of the hardest lead-ups to Christmas yet. I don't know. But try asking every day for a month, God, give me joy. God, give me joy. I don't want to be Mr. Grinch this Christmas. I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to be swayed by my feelings or my thoughts or my words. Fill me up with your joy and remind me where that joy comes from. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are king. I thank you that you humbled yourself to the point of becoming a little baby in a manger. God, and just as Isaiah 9 says, you were never destined to stay a baby. You were destined to begin a new government and to take that government on your shoulders and to rule in justice and peace. And God, I just get this picture of of you as a baby 
You had to stoop that low to get under. You know, it says that the government would be on your shoulders. You had to get right down, the lowest of the low, so that you could get under everything and begin to carry it in the right way. And I just pray for each one here, each one of us as we head into Christmas. No doubt there'll be more carols, there'll be more celebrations with family. There'll be more times of great happiness. But God, I pray that our joy would not be based on what's happening around us. It would be based in what you've done for us. You've come to earth. Emmanuel, God with us. You've taken on flesh. You've dwelt among us. And whereas before, like the nation of Israel, we were dwelling in deep darkness, your light has shone into that darkness. And you've brought all hope, all joy, all peace to us. And so, God, may we just share some of that joy with those around us. This world needs to know what true joy is. We repent of the times that we have not expressed that. And Lord, we get back to you, fix our eyes upon you, and just pray that your joy would well up and out of us this Christmas. In your name, amen.